With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. Recording online. Oh. Three, two, one. Weird, you're blurry. Okay. Well, hello there. Welcome, everyone. Are, you seem blurry. Why are you blurry? Are you blurry on your side there, Matt, or... Okay, you're blurry on my side for some reason or another, uh, but I guess that's just the way things go. It is over. Uh, it's a thud, like a thud, really. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche win 5-1 tonight. The series is now over. They have a loss in five games. We are going through the handshakes now as we speak. Um, you know, we'll get to the Flames here in a second, Matt, but I think... It's only appropriate to congratulate the Colorado Avalanche on a really um, a really successful series. Nathan McKinnon was absolutely dominant. Yes, absolutely. I think that that's one story in this thing. Uh, the other thing is um, Mikkel Rantanen was a complete domination. Uh, their defense is, uh, was pretty underrated. They found a way to get a stick everywhere. Philip Grubauer made saves. He wasn't busy, but he made saves when he needed to. He didn't make. He didn't have to make anything too super spectacular since game two, and maybe game four. He there, but he was solid. Um, so full marks to the Colorado Avalanche as uh, they are going on to face either the Las Vegas Golden Knights or the San Jose Sharks in the next round of the Western Conference. That will start later on next week. Uh, but, so I think let's let's start there. Congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, and, I agree. And they did a great job. They completely neutered the Flames. And that was it. Like, Calgary had no options at all. They had no second gear at all. And credit to Colorado for shutting the Flames down. Yeah. It was it, an excellent performance by them. Yeah, uh, Johnny Goodrow had four people around him all the time. Uh, there's nothing much he could do there in terms of, of making any offensive production. He tried his best throughout the series. Uh, Mike Smith made, was Herculean uh, the first four games. I mean, today was different, but... Um, he, he played all right today. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't like it wasn't what he was the first four games, but at the same time, the Flames had ten giveaways in the first half of the first period. So, yeah. what exactly are we expecting Mike Smith to do? Um, Put it this way: If you would have said that we would have got this performance from Mike Smith in the playoffs, I would have been expecting the Flames to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah, we would still be. Yeah, I, th- I would. I would think that the Flames would. Yeah, if the Flames players, the Flames forwards and defense played the way that Mike Smith played in the first five games, um, put as much of an effort, this series would have been over today and the Flames would be having that wrestling going on. 
That's just the fact of the matter is. Um, okay. uh, I, uh, and I, you, you know, um, again, to, but I guess the clinch in a clinching game though, Matt, again, you know, we'll, we'll get to Johnny Goodrow here in a second, but part of the reason that you can wrap Johnny Goodrow around like a little blanket is you need a centerman to step up and be somewhere near him and to make a play. And again, I'm sorry, this was a very particular, I'm not going to point, there's lots of fingers to be pointed everywhere, but the guy is wearing an A on his jersey. Uh, Sean Monaghan was invisible again. Yeah, and, uh, you know, like, this was entirely expected by me, this performance tonight. Uh, I think after our last show, I think I said that I, I'm expecting the Flames to lose six or seven to one. Yeah, you you did yeah. say that. I I had faith. You you were you were yeah and <laughs> accurate. <laughs> you were accurate. I was the man of faith. You know. Yeah, well, you know, I I was hoping that I was wrong. It's just that yeah. Uh, eh. There are some fundamental problems with this team, and the only way I give Sean Monahan any breathing room of pass on this is if he is extremely hurt and just playing because it, it's better that he's in the lineup first not. And, like, if you look at last time that the Flames were in the playoffs, he was the only guy who showed up on the team. He scored four goals in the four games against Anaheim. And he was actually a very solid contributor, both in that Anaheim series and in the series against Vancouver the two years prior. So I'm not really exactly 110% sure where Sean Monaghan went after the All-Star break and who this imposter was that replaced him. You know, you might as well have sweat. You know, if you said that, uh, like, uh, thinking of like Game of Thrones with the faceless man, that it was Joel Colborn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's basically what you got. Yeah, yes, maybe so, that's a possibility. Sean Monahan, the real Sean Monahan, was kidnapped, and we have a new Joel Colborn-like or someone who. Um, who is a different man than Sean Monahan? Quite possible there. Uh, yeah, and, and so we'll go through the first period here. Um, Colorado gets out to a pretty quick lead, one nothing, and then Johnny Gaudreau has the breakaway, which leads to the penalty shot. Now, what did you think, Matt? Did you think that that would have been a good idea to call a timeout there? Give it, give Johnny a break before he takes oh, the shot. No, uh, Johnny's good generally at being creative when he's confident, and he wasn't there. And you could see it. Like if Johnny's confident, he skates in hard, he dekes out the goalie, and he scores, and there's no problem. But instead, he's not confident at all. He goes in as if I was skating, <laughs> and you know, and the goalie's just like, um, "Okay, what, what are you gonna do? Oh, that's it. Okay, stick out the leg. There you go. Okay, that was a save, I guess. Yay! You know, like 
Grubauer did not have any challenge with, like, that may have been one of the worst penalty shots I've seen, period. And, yeah, it, that was just a horrible effort by Gaudreau on that. Yeah, I just, the only, I mean, I do agree with what Brian Burke said, and I think, I I do understand at least where Brian Burke was saying, at least you come, maybe give him a timeout to give him a little bit of rest so he could build up some speed, because you could clearly see he was gassed uh, after that, but... Um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest, the greatest effort ever, which was, which was unfortunate. Um, and, and part of the thing that, the thing that really came out in this series is whenever the flames went down and had a chance and missed it, the avalanche were able to find a way to respond with a similar chance and score. And it happened on more today, uh, the overtime goal in Game 2, Nathan McKinnon scores after the Michael Froelich chance. Game 4, Michael Backlund has a great chance. The Flames have a power play. After that power play, Mikko Rantanen scored to put this at a 3-1 series. There, there were many goals like that. Um, and it happened again today because you know the, the Avs got up there 2 to nothing after that. So if the first goal was Landeskog from Barry McKinnon. And then Mikko Rantanen from McCarr. Um, my gosh, is Kale McCarr going to be something when this guy actually knows what he is doing? This guy is going to be a hell of a player. Uh, and yeah. Colin and Colin Wilson, the son of former Flame Kerry Wilson, by the way, made it two nothing. And then T.J. Brody scored late in the first period with six seconds left. Their first, the first time they scored in the first period in this series. So, uh, quite incredible from Sam Bennett. Two to one. What were you going to say there? Uh, yeah. No, just carry on. <laughs> it's like, oh, frick. Yeah. yeah. Um, hopefully that the Flames have some sort of momentum, and they got off to a pretty good start in the second period. Overall, they were carrying the play. They were getting physical. Hathaway had a big hit. Um, Bennett met uh, Zadorov. Um, things were kind of moving a little bit in the fl- in the, the Flames' way, but 6.52, Colin Wilson from Mikkel Rantanen made it 3-1. to one. Um, And it's it's just the air was back deflated. And then yeah, the Flames... When that goal went in, I'm like, and game. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then four one added more. Uh, the power play goal from Wilson, from McKinnon, and Barry. And I think another thing that happened in this, another theme that happened was quite common in this series as well, was the Flames' defense and defensive structure. It was pretty much a five-alarm series at every any point in the series anyway. But there was really no communication of like, hey, I'll take this guy. You take this guy. Like, they were not talking to each other. And that was pretty... Honestly, this team played this series as if they had not like each player was on a completely new team never had a practice with any of the players on the team and didn't have any clue on any sort of system and oh you're in the playoffs so you know the other teams are actually going to be trying like there was no cohesion in any way shape or form by anybody wearing a flames jersey it was one of the most pathetic efforts I think I've ever seen from this franchise, actually. Like, this stretch of games, because I've been following the team since they won the Cup, and 
Like, I can't... Like, they, they had some embarrassing series, like, especially in the early 90s. But, like, this... Like, at least the other team... Like, they the Flames tried in those series and, like, even got up fairly well in those series and then lost just due to some strange bounces and other weird things happening. But, like, I've never seen a team that was supposed... Well, is the second best team in the NHL and played worse than if they were the Edmonton Oilers without Connor McDavid. Um, I'm looking, thinking back in my head, the, the only series that I can see that it was even remotely comparable to this was the 88, was the 88 series against the, the Smythe Division Final against the Edmonton Oilers. Because that was the year the Flames won the President's Trophy. They were expected to run roughshod. Uh, I remember all of the Oilers were like, the, yeah, the Flames were the favorites. And they got swept. Um, I remember the Edmonton o- the Oilers fans were coming into Game 4 with brooms. It was that bad. Uh, but, yeah, I can't, like, like the, the, any other series that was remotely... This embarrassed, like the the Blackhawks swept them, but that was expected in the, in the mid nineties when Jerome McGinley made his debut. Uh, there was a long stretch of no playoffs. Uh, two thousand six, when we were the Flames were up three two to the Ducks, uh, they that lost. Was more of a one bad game. One, game. yeah, that was more one bad game. They got overwhelmed. Uh, against Detroit was very similar to this series, but even then, the Flames barely made the playoffs. They limped in as the eighth seed and got thrashed by the Detroit Red Wings, who the next season ended up winning the Cup. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't like look that. at that as it's like in that height of level of embarrassment there no. as this series would be. This is probably. This is probably it's it's arguable which would be worse, the '88 Flames or the nine the '19 Flames in terms of embarrassment in terms of yeah. of what happened. Um, I mean, it's a little. I think the the sting of the '94 uh, Canucks come when they came back from a three one deficit to come back, it, but that was two overtime three overtime game winners for the Vancouver Canucks. So that's a little bit different, I think. Um, but Yeah, one good bounce at any point, and the Flames win that series. Exactly. probably go to the finals themselves. So, it, you know, that's just bad luck more than anything on yeah. that year. But that was more frustrating than embarrassing. But this is perhaps the most embarrassing conclusion to a season in Flames history. Yeah. I I would agree. I I you know, um, and it's just and then with the final goal, Branton had scored his fifth from Barry and McKinnon, making it five one. Fifty seven seconds into the third period, um, I, let's quickly just go through some of the players here and kind of like in an early instant analysis. We'll talk about this tomorrow on the on the podcast as well, but. Uh, to me, actually, I think uh, I am open to the idea of just quickly right now giving Mike Smith another chance. Uh, I think he earned it. Um, I think that the, the one interesting question that's going to be is, is this performance 
put him in a place where someone is going to pay, maybe overpay him? That is the one interesting question that I have, but I'm open to giving Mike Smith another one year contract at least. But I, I think he might, he might get an overpay contract somewhere else is my first instant reaction. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, Dan and I on our show, we spitballed an idea of revisiting the Jason Zucker trade um, with Froelich that was rumored at the deadline, but expanding it in to include Devin Dubnik. And that, I think, could be a possibility. Uh, there are a few other options that I'd kind of prefer to have just as like a two- to three-year option because I'm not sold on any of the Flames goalie prospects at all, including David Riddick. Uh, stepping in, Smith. I think the Flames need to get away from Smith in that they kind of relied on him being that buffer in the defensive zone. And, like, I one of the things that I kind of noticed when he would start is that the team would be a lot more relaxed defensively to the point mm. of being passive. Mm. And, and instead of going and getting the pucks themselves and, like, getting the momentum going, they're stopped waiting for Smith. And, like, everything's kind of herky-jerky all the way along because of that interruption, because of the lack of flow. And I think that's part of the reason why the Flames tended to play better when Riddick was playing, even though Riddick, for a good portion of the season, wasn't very good himself. Uh, yet he was getting wins, and I think that was part of the reason for that. And yeah. I, I... With the Flames having so many good offensive defensemen, I think having that little stutter in their game kind of screwed them up a bit. And I think that that also... Because Colorado, like, they were primarily a dump-and-chase team this year. And tactically... I'm wondering if it wasn't a bad idea to start Smith, despite Smith playing so well, because of the fact that Colorado adapted yeah. <laughs> and played a completely different way than they were used to, and it exposed the Flames entirely, and then they found success with it and ran with it. And I think that if they had played their game the way that they were used to, that perhaps the Flames... The, the series goes differently, even if Riddick played worse than Smith did. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, know, that's, I'm it's just, an, it's, I'm just frustrated by the team. You know, and I think that they need to make uh, several changes after this. Right. I, I, you know, before this series, I was expecting maybe like TJ Brody to get traded, Pro League to get traded, and maybe acquire a goalie at some point whether it's Smith or somebody else. But I think now it's more like four or five major parts moving. Not uh, major, major, but, you know. Yeah, we'll, we'll go through the defenseman here. I, I think Rasmus Anderson was the best the Flames defenseman in this series. I, I think uh, I'll add uh, one player who only played two games. I thought Yusuf Valimaki played oh, extremely they, yeah. good. Yeah, and they were the only two that really found a way to find some way to contain Nathan McKinnon. I, yeah. I felt the, the top four, Brody, Giordano, Hamannick, Hannafin, were completely overmatched. They were completely outskated. They were too slow. Um, 
And I, I do think, um, I am, I think that the Flames are going to have to dig into the free agent market and, and defense. I, I, I think, especially on the right side, uh, I think that that needs it needs some improvement. I think that that was shown there. Um, that you know, I, I mean, Hannafin, like they're they're good. Hamannick and Hannafin were monsters all year, but I think this series kind of exposed them. And I think we, I think the Flames also need to look ahead because of Mark Giordano. He did get exposed a little bit in this series. He definitely is going to get the Norris. I'm not going to dispute that, but um, uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, I think it's time to make sure that that's at least built. And TJ Brody, I. I don't. I don't know what we're. T.J. Brody is the Chris Tanev of the Calgary Flames. I don't know what we're going exactly going to get for him, but um, well, I, because of his very good and cheap contract, and the fact that he can play on the first pair and get about thirty-five points every year, I'm expecting a first and a good prospect for him. If we were to deal, see, I, I do not see a first-round pick for T.J. Brody. I don't see it. I see a high third. I don't see that. His contract's too good for that. Okay. Um, you know, um, I I see the flames because, like, I look at Michael Backlund, and like one of the things that worried me this season was him being the second line center because he's not that good. Like, he's a great third-line center, yeah. and he has good chemistry with Kachuk, but he's not that good. It's just like Froelich being on that line. Like, if he's above your third line, your team has some issues. And Kachuk, because he's awesome, covered up a lot of those warts. I think that Brody gets traded for some sort of middle six-type center that you could throw on the second line. Like, as a part of a deal. Like, probably the Flames adding a part or two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I could... Uh, yeah. I certainly... Yeah, I think for Backlund, to me, Backlund and for Leak, I think are more effective. And they, I, I said this in the series, as a series, Backlund can't... The Backlund, the 3M line cannot be your best line. Can't be your number one line. They ended up being the number one line in a lot of yeah. ways. Um I, I guess in terms of James Neal, you can't buy him out. Yeah. But, but I actually do think that there is a room, there is a place that you could trade him. And there's places like Ottawa and Florida and some of those, Arizona even, that need to get to the floor that could use him or Buffalo. I don't think that James – I just don't know – I Neil may be better off somewhere else. It's very clear that him and Bill Peters were not on the same page, not even on the same book. I don't think they were in the same city. I think they just just could not figure this out for whatever reason. Um, but I think that there's room to you could get a an interesting value for James Neal. Uh, yeah, for Neil, I think that you're going to be relegated to getting deadbeat contract for deadbeat contract. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, like, if Milan Lucic was not so slow, I wouldn't even be adverse to that. <laughs> but, you know. No, but, no. But, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Lucic. Uh, but, yeah, like, this is one of those where, yeah, uh, one hopes that whatever 
was ailing him this season, he figures out if he's coming back and, you know, is an NHL player. Otherwise, honestly, park him in Stockton or wave him or something or just put him in the press box because for all season, he wasn't an NHL player. Yeah, he had a, he he had a tough time, no question. About and that. you're just kind of like, okay, when's the real deal showing up? And oh, well, maybe he might turn it up in the playoffs. And uh, yeah, no. So I'm not adverse to trading him uh, if they can get anything for him. Great. Like I honestly, I, the only thing I could see is something like Carl Alsner from Montreal. I think he's too slow. I, I, yeah. I, that's not a guy I would be. I think that, that no, that's a I guy know. that I, yeah. I know. Like, that's what kind of deadbeat contract yeah. you're looking at. And yeah. it's just unfortunate because Neil was just that bad. <laughs> and, you know, it's bad when you'd actually prefer Troy Brower. I, I actually thought that Neil was generally better than Troy Brower, but it wasn't, uh, it was, it was close and tight. Yeah. Uh, I think I think the other guys that I think I'm going to be going going in the off season, I, I have some questions about. I, I think Frolik is probably gone. Um, yeah, same here. Uh, I would be shocked if he's back. Yeah, I uh, I think about Mark. There's a legitimate question about what we what to do with Mark Jankowski. Um, I, would, I don't think he's back. Yeah, I, I'd move him. Ideally, like what I see this team doing is keeping Sean Monahan. See, I, 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 I really do think that there was an injury there because I doesn't go from being like awesome pre All Star break to not being the same player afterwards, unless something went wrong. Like it just it doesn't make sense why he would disappear like that. Like, but he disappeared at the same point last year. He. Yeah. It, that that's my problem, and I understand that there was an injury last year, so I I will balance that out and grant that. Um, but I'm actually I actually am open to t- taking trade suggestions for Sean Monahan. Yeah, same here. Uh, uh, frankly, other than Kachuk and Valimaki, uh, anybody to me is fair game. You, is Goudreau fair game? Yep. Yep. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, I don't know if Goudreau is fair is on my list. I think well, that Goudreau, Goudreau, I would only trade like it wouldn't be like a Taylor Hall type situation. It would be you'd have to get something fairly similar ish back or high end high end prospects back, like it included it like a slightly different player, but good prospects as well. It would depend on what you're talking about, of course, but it, it, there would be a scenario or two where I could see him getting dealt. And, you know, like if Tampa Bay wanted to, say, trade point to us for Gaudreau, I'd be considering that. Um, okay, that's interesting. I'm not sure I'm quite there yet uh, with Gaudreau. I mean, maybe there would have to be a pretty significant offer. Kachuk, to me, is a guy you don't touch. Uh no. Mark Same Giordano game. is a guy you don't touch. Valimaki and Anderson are guys you don't touch. And I actually think that Sam Bennett has put him... I'm, I am not willing to trade Sam Bennett. Like, I mean, maybe I'm willing to, to 
to maybe elicits a pretty significant offer. But I think that Sam Bennett was the one guy that showed some heart and understood yeah. what wearing the play. Hathaway too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, frankly, Hathaway three year contract when he, you know, because he's a, a free agent at the end of the year. Yeah. I think three years at like one and a half is fine for him. Yeah. But uh, no, um, but ideally, like what I would like to see from the Flames centers from next for next season is Monahan being the number one new guy who is like a fifty-five ish point second line center. Somebody decent, but you don't have to be, like, ridiculously awesome. Just basically, like, getting Elias Lindholm. You know, like, where he was just okay in Carolina. And finding the equivalent of that. You know, someone that might be unheralded on their team, but might jump up here. Uh, Something good there. Move Backlund to being the third line center, Derek Ryan the fourth line center. I think that stretches your lines properly and has everybody in the middle being where they roughly should be in the lineup. See, I think for me, for me, I think that they need. I do not see Sean Monahan as a legitimate number one center in the NHL. No, and that's why we need to have a good second line center. Because you can flip them. If you have somebody else that's decently good as your second-line center, and say Monaghan starts playing like this, you can swap the other guy with Gaudreau and maybe shake it up where that will work. It's just like uh, Chicago having an Isamov instead of Kane on the first line. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I just – I don't know – I'm not convinced at this point that uh, th- it was my concern coming in. I felt like Monaghan was the eighth best number one center in this in the Western Conference playoffs. I felt that everybody was better than him, and it was my concern, and it turned out to be a key factor. And I'm not sure I'm ready to bring Sean Monaghan in as a number one center. A um, couple of quick, maybe here's a couple of quick things to think about. We'll we'll wrap. We'll kind of start wrapping this up. Are you open to the idea of Nazem Kadri? What are your thoughts on that uh, off the top of your head? I absolutely despise him as a player. I do not want him on okay. this team at all. Okay. Um, so I'm just tossing that, tossing a couple of quick names. We'll, we'll get into this more tomorrow. You're open to the, an idea of a Jake Gardner? Possibly, but there, I think there's better options out there. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. Are you open to an idea of Tyler Myers? That would be a good fit. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, just kind of some of the other things. I and maybe to me, at least two, one more. Uh, yeah, one key, a couple key top six forwards. I think would help. Um, but this is yeah, I I think it's safe to say for those that are just jumping on, this is probably the most embarrassing moment in Calgary Flames history in terms of what was expected. This was a. You, the retro jerseys are brought out. There was an expectation of a long run, and thud, it's it's over. Um, so, um, any last words, Matt? Well, it sucks, but you know, getting thoroughly embarrassed reveals things. Yeah, this team. 
and it answers a lot of questions. And, it, you know, it clearly puts red flags on a whole bunch of things in this organization that have to be sorted out and pronto. And it changes the game plan moving forward. Uh, because I don't think, like, if the Flames say they went on and won this series and then, say, lost to Vegas in the second round, um, I think that the calculus is, oh, well, we'll just tinker a little bit here or there and, you know, make things better, you know, window dressing instead of poor structural changes like the Hamilton trade last year. Yeah. And I think that this put a huge number of flags up of, okay, we need to address this, 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 and that. And now it's Trilliving's job to figure out how the heck to do it. And it's going to, honestly, I don't see the Flames drafting in the first round this year. I think that pick's gone. Mm. Uh, in trade, I, I seriously, you have to add. I think at this point, a, a number of pieces, and I think trades will be one of the ways to go. And the team will have a lot of interesting questions asked because they do have a lot of good parts. Like, they, there's a reason why this team was 107 points in the standings. Yeah, and, absolutely. Like the regular season, I view as separating like the. Talented teams at the top, the not-so-talented teams at the bottom, and the playoffs show the heart of each team. And the Flames are a very talented team that showed absolutely no heart in the series, and the Flames need to have a heart transplant. Well, they will leave it there. We'll, we'll we'll be chatting more tomorrow. We'll have Sean on Beardy Canuck. We'll be kind of talking a little bit tomorrow. I think Matt's going to join us as well. Maybe Dan. We'll we'll figure that out tomorrow. Uh, but thanks, Matt, for joining us for all five games. It's too bad that these recaps won't be lasting much longer than that. It's rather unfortunate. Yeah. Well, we'll be doing on our show. We'll be doing some draft preview stuff uh, in a couple weeks, probably in June. Uh, a couple weeks prior to the draft and all that to show like what kind of guys if the Flames do keep their pick what what's what and all that kind of stuff so all right we'll keep an eye out of that that's the fireside podcast follow them on Twitter follow Matt on Twitter follow me on Twitter as well KVOLE we will talk to everyone really soon thanks again for joining Bye for now. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.